Welcome to the UM's Connected Podcast, a resource for offering spiritual formation in the Wesleyan tradition through a metaverse community. I'm your host, Steve Harper. Well, we're continuing our series called Connected. The word connection was very important in early Methodism. And it's one of the reasons why we have used the word connected in the movement that we've come to call UM's Connected. This series is looking at connections between the 18th century and the 21st century. We're looking at how that word connected is not only part of our DNA, but is also part of our mission. We are fostering spiritual formation in the Wesleyan tradition. And we do that in a way that grows out of a sense of connection. Richard Foster, in his Renovare ministry, has been particularly helpful to me and to so many others since he began it in the late 70s. Over the course of time, he's developed what he calls a spiritual formation paradigm. It's made up of three elements. Vision, intention, and means. He developed it in a book called Life with God, but it's really expressed in the Life with God Bible produced by the Renovare Ministry, where it takes those ideas of vision, intention, and means and shows how they work their way through Scripture. I've used this formative paradigm in my teaching of spiritual formation over the years, and I have used it to great spiritual benefit as I explore a variety of things. I want to use it today to explore the paradigm of being connected. Wesley's methods were part of a vision, part of an intention, part of a means And so I want us to look at those three elements of a spiritually formative paradigm. First, looking at the 18th century and early Methodists, and then bringing it forward in the United Methodist Church's mission in the 21st century, and UM's connected as a movement within that denomination. So let's begin with early Methodism. The Wesleys had a vision. They expressed it in so many ways, through written word, spoken word, sung word. But it was the vision to spread scriptural holiness across the land. I've spoken about this in some of the previous episodes in this series, but I want to come back to it today because repetition is a valid thing when it's for this, serving the purpose of reinforcement. I want to reinforce the vision of early Methodism, spreading scriptural holiness across the land. The first thing that we see is that it's scriptural. Wesley called himself a plain old Bible Christian. Down the way in future episodes of this podcast, we'll we'll probably look at a biblical theology uh, of the Wesleyan tradition, both in its origins and in its contemporary expressions. 
But today it's, it suffices for us just to reconnect with the fact that we begin, continue, and end through the revelation given to us in Holy Scripture. Now, of course, we interpret that. We uh, apply the principles of tradition, reason, and experience, bringing those things to the Bible to form the Wesleyan hermeneutic that we sometimes call the quadrilateral. But if we're going to understand the paradigm of UMs connected today, we've got to be sure that we are clear that it was and is and will continue to be scriptural. Unfortunately, there are people who are leaving the United Methodist Church today who are falsely alleging that we have ceased to be a biblical denomination. That's simply not true. Um, but I don't want to dwell on that today, but rather emphasize the fact that Methodism began rooted in Scripture, and we in the United Methodist Church and UMs Connected continue to be rooted in the Word. Now, Wesley understood that particular vantage point is holiness. Again, we could say many, many things about holiness, and we probably will as this podcast series moves along. For today, it's a theology of holy love. And by that we mean it has its origin in the nature of God, who is love, and then it expresses itself through obedience to the two great commandments, loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and our neighbor as ourself, and manifested through the fruit of the Spirit. As we live the Christ-like life, demonstrating love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's a thumbnail sketch of holiness. And the Wesleys wanted the early Methodists to be connected to that kind of holiness. And then spreading was the idea that um, we have to be intentional. Uh, this doesn't happen automatically. In fact, when it became clear that Methodists were moving from England to the colonies and that they needed spiritual care, Wesley commissioned some of the early Methodist leaders to travel across the Atlantic Ocean and to uh, create uh, Methodist societies and classes and bands. And his admonition to them was, offer them Christ. See, uh, you, you've got to be proactive. You have to take initiative. Um, the spiritual life may be natural, but it's not automatic. Uh, it can grow in wild and crazy ways, and church history is filled with examples of how that's been so. But the idea of spreading is the idea of the Great Commission, of going into the world making disciples of all people groups, doing it in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, spreading, spreading, spreading. Before John Wesley died, Methodism had spread across the ocean. Methodism had spread across Great Britain, and there were no signs that that spreading was going to come to an end. And in fact, we're here today as evidence that it hasn't stopped. And, very simply, it's not supposed to stop with us. Now, we're supposed to continue to be proactive 
we're supposed to continue to spread scriptural holiness. It's part of the vision. And then across the land, of course, means to everyone everywhere. Wesley did not understand the love of God, the grace of God, the compassion of Christ, whatever you want to call this, as as being for particular people in particular places, but was for everyone, for every place, and really having to do with everything. Um, don't want to dwell on this today, but Wesley wrote a whole multi-volume compendium on natural theology. Uh, we would call it creation care today. We would call it uh, ecology. Uh, Wesley understood that the gospel was not just for human beings, but for all sentient beings, and even for inanimate objects like uh, water and rocks and trees that we now understand in ways Wesley didn't understand, that even these things have a life and an intelligence all their own. Do you see how magnificent this vision in early Methodism was? Well, that moves into intention. When you have a vision, you got to do something about it. If the content is to spread scriptural holiness across the land, you've got to have some containers. You've got to have some, some willpower, if you will. And those have sometimes been referred to as the three R's of Methodism. Reaching the marginalized, renewing the church, and reforming the nation. Once again, I've already spoken about this some in some earlier episodes, but they bear repeating today because they're part of the paradigm that launched early Methodism, and they're part of the paradigm that we're using to launch UM's Connected today. Reaching the marginalized. That's probably one of the things that the Wesleys were best known for. They showed up outside the coal mines. They went to uh, the places where children had been abandoned and orphaned and offered them lodging and education. They reached out to women whose roles and influence in society were, were uh, narrowly prescribed, and the Wesleys educated them in a full-orbed way, modeling, as they did so well, the example of their mother, Susanna, who was a theologian in the one hand, a homemaker in the other, and so much else in between. Reaching the marginalized. Uh, today, we often refer to them as the nuns and the duns. Uh, the duns who have, have given institutional Christianity their best shot and found it to be inadequate, perhaps even harmful, and they're no longer with us. Or the nuns who've looked over the fence, if you will, and, and really haven't concluded that the grass is greener on the other side, so they're staying where they are. But not marginalized in the sense of cold and indifferent, because being made in the image of God, we all hunger for God. We all desire to be loved and to love. The Wesley and the early Methodist movement had the intention of reaching the marginalized, assuring them that they were God's beloved children, and then nurturing in that theology of love which would grow them in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Then renewing the church. There are so many ways that that was needed in the 18th century and so many ways that it's needed now. 
what I want to say about that today is the necessity that the early Methodist movement had and that we want to have in UN's Connected to differentiate between content and container, between wine and wineskins. Jesus did this, and he said sometimes the wine needs new wineskins. Now, when I think about a wineskin, I, I think that a new one's going to be like the old one in some ways. It's just not going to be brittle and cracked and leaking. It's going to be new, but not completely different from what has preceded it. And in the same way as the new United Methodist Church is emerging, and as we will see it maturing and developing in the General Conference in 2024 and in the years after that, we're not out for something that bears no resemblance to the past. We're just after those things that give life and light and love to our heritage. That is, we're about renewing the church. And then that third intention to reform the nation. There was a phrase in the 18th century which said the church is the nation's conscience. Now, of course, there were people in that day, just as there are today, that, that don't want that conscience. But nevertheless, uh, the Wesleys believed that one of the tasks of the Methodist movement was to change the way things operated in the world, to fulfill the Lord's Prayer, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we see the Wesleys and the early Methodists not only concerned about the souls, the spiritual, the intangible dimensions but also the bodies, the tangible realities individually and collectively in their day. And then the means, through groups, through Wesley's letters, through Charles's hymns, and through a multitude of other resources, the means of bringing all this to pass was made tangible. One of the things I've talked about in some previous episodes was the genius of early Methodism of having a structure for every aspect of grace. In prevenient grace, the Methodists had the societies. In converting grace, they had the classes. And in maturing grace, they had the bands. So faith was, faith was not only... Uh, uh, an intangible aspect of life, but also very tangible as well and made part of the structure. So that's the paradigm as it came to be manifested in early Methodism. It's the paradigm that we want to use in UM's Connected today. We have the same vision. It's a vision to um, spread scriptural holiness across the land. We're, we're on our Facebook page, for example, three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we have a series called Living the Bible. And on Sunday, we have meditations based on the Revised Common Lectionary. We also have, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we have a series called Living the Faith, where we take statements made by a variety of, of Methodist leaders and show how they can 
inform and enrich and deepen our spirituality today. Holiness of heart and life. Loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and our neighbor as ourself is at the heart of UM's Connected. This is, this, is the, this is the kind of life that we want to not only point to, but we want to practice. Because we understand in UM's Connected that for the Wesleyan tradition, it's practical divinity. It's the practice of our faith that is the confirmation of our faith. James said it, didn't he? Faith without works is dead. We believe that same thing to be true. The affirmation of faith without the profession of faith through practice is not true faith. So uh, we share that uh, vision of holiness. We share the idea of spreading it. That's one of the reasons UM Connected came into existence. We want to be proactive. Uh, we're not going to settle for allowing people to uh, tell lies about who we are, to be very honest about it. We are not going to just sit back and let uh, falsehoods be shared, not only about the United Methodist Church, but about the Christian faith, like we're seeing it today through Christofascism and Christian nationalism. Um, there's a spreading motif that comes out of the Wesleyan DNA, which says, no, we're going to non-violently resist evil in whatever form it manifests itself. That's part of our baptismal vow. And UM's Connected is part of that vow to spread light, life, and love, to spread truth, and to overcome evil with good. And then across the land, oh my gosh, that just means everyone, everywhere, everything. Um, we don't understand spirituality as a religious phenomenon or as an intangible phenomenon. We understand spirituality as life. Uh, life in Christ, life together, life with other people made in the image of God, life for the world, across the land, across the land, across the land. Then the intention, we share the paradigm with early Methodism to reach the marginalized. The nuns and duns are comprising upwards of about 20 or 25 percent of the world today, and at least in North America. Um, we can't just go about our merry way just because we're, you know, uh, accustomed to institutional Christianity and it just feels so right to us. Uh, we've got to listen, pay attention to, learn from, and incorporate the insights of people who have tried us and walked away, or the insights of people who've taken a hard look at us and decided that that really wasn't what they wanted to do with their life. When I was an administrator, I always believed you need to listen to the people who are your newest employees because they see things that the rest of us, the old timers, uh, no longer see. We've become accustomed so much to the trends and, and to the conditions that we go to work in every day that, that we can't see the things that, that aren't working as well as they could or the things that need to be changed. Uh, reaching the marginalized not only means offering them Christ, but it also means letting them share the Christ that's already within them to us. Everyone's made in the image of God. 
John said all things were made through him and without him was nothing made that was made. The universal Christ is in everyone and everything. Colossians 3.11, Christ is all and in all. So as we reach the marginalized, we not only offer them Christ, we receive the Christ from them. And we all become better as a result. And then, of course, renewing the church. We're going to be saying so much about that uh, in this episode and in all of the ways that UM's Connected is seeking to be uh, a positive influence in that uh, renewal. And then reforming the nation. Uh, we believe that the church is the nation's conscience. We believe that transformed people move out as devoted disciples of Christ to transform the world. And then the means. We too have groups. We too have media. We too have resources. We have the ways in which we can take the spiritual formation paradigm of vision, intention, and means connect with it in the 18th century in the early Methodists and then manifest it in our world today. Well, that's our episode. I want to thank you for listening. Tune in next week to the next edition of this Connected series and the ongoing UM's Connected podcast. Feel free to contact me at any time about anything. I'm at umsconnected at flumc.org. And tell others about UMs Connected so they can become part of this movement too.